Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you're listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Yeah, pull up a futon, pull up a chair. We are together. Listen, you know, I mean, front and center, Israel really is the heartbeat, the belly, the soul of the world. Um, If you're not praying for the health, the glory, the celebration of Jerusalem, you are on the other side. Okay, so aside from those lofty opening words, because we are the agricultural, not just the spiritual, but the agricultural paradigm of the world as as outlined in the Holy Torah, we know that we, we have a rainy season, we have a dry season. We are in the midst of the rainy season. And in our tefillot, our prayers, we pray three times a day that the rain should come down. The rain should bless our land. The rain should fill the canaret. The rain. Well, I have to tell you, you've all been doing a really good job. Thank you. We are on day 1,076,000 of nonstop rain here. And my walls are buckling in. And I know that not, I shouldn't curse it. I shouldn't be sad. I should be very, very happy. And so every time it rains, every time I take the dog out and my glasses get fogged up and rainy and we can't open a window, I say, thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful. Okay. People are joining us this morning. We had a little bit of a slow start technically, and they're coming on in. And later on, we'll do our Rampa room moment. The most important, my friends from Israel are listening in. Um, one more light note. I just wanted to share with you. I had such a good dinner last night and I, I, it was just so beautiful. If anybody wants to know my particular recipe for curried salmon, it was easy. It was literally from start to finish that rice salad, we had it on the plates in, I would say, 40 minutes, and it was beautiful, and I did all those things that I mock others for. I took pictures of my food, and I sent it out to my children, who I have not heard from since, and probably won't for a very long time. Ma, you're actually down to sending us food pictures? Yeah. Um, I was on my way this week. I was on my way on Friday to Ramat Beit Shemesh, a decidedly religious city in Israel, located between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. How's that for a geographical pinpointing? I was spending Sabbath. My husband was away. I spent the Sabbath with one of my daughters and her foo-foo-foo, full, full house of children. And I was very, very excited. And on the way there, just as I was pulling the car in a little bit late, we heard about another terrorist attack. And you know, it's not just the frequency with which these 
aberrant episodes take place in our holy land. I can't come up with another word. Maybe you can help me. What's another word for terrorism? What's another word for terrorist? When we call our little children who are running around and ripping up the living room and tossing talcum powder around and we say, you little terrorist. Are we being careful with our words? Let me tell you what terrorists do. They mow down. They mow down two little boys dressed in their Shabbos finery waiting to go to grandma and grandpa for the Holy Sabbath. Mow them down. They kill a young chassan, a groom, two months married, still in the glow, the happiness in his honeymoon period. The mother of the two boys expecting a baby. I believe she's eight months pregnant, not exactly sure. Devorah Peli, who had to first on Friday, when it was Shabbos, the Holy Shabbos, she had to identify Yaakov Yisrael. And then the next night, his brother Asher Menachem. I ask you, I ask you, are some lives better than others? Are some people just more worth it? Or is that question not politically correct? Am I not being woke? Am I foolish? Out of it? Stupid? Not to understand? What moral equivalency is? What kind of depravity? What kind of filth spawns? The kind of animals it takes to wrap their murderous hearts in some kind of nobility as they mow down beautiful children. By the way, I forgot to add, their daddy is still in the ICU, the intensive care unit. There is no equivalency. There are some who are better than others. And I tell you, I am not so, here comes the word, the operative word. I am not so racist. Call me foolish. Those on the hard right who say, I'm not saying enough. No, I am not so foolish as to believe that any of God's creatures, any, 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 are born with an inability 
to discover compassion and love for one another. But I will tell you, as both a snort life coach and as an observer of Torah to the best of my paltry ability, we all have choices. We all make choices. And when I say that there are some that are better than you, I am proud to say I do not know the name of the monster, the aberrant flesh and blood being that committed our latest act of carnage. Whatever his name is, I pray it's wiped off the face of the earth. But let me tell you something about, about, about Devorah, Devorah Paley, sitting, holding pictures of her children, surrounded by her other holy children, children who are born to this world and raised in this world to make this world a better place, who were charged from the moment they emerged from the womb to know that their job in this world was to make the world holier and brighter and more wonderful for every creature that roams God's beautiful land. And what does she say? My boys are together. I was blessed to have them for five years and seven years. God is great. Too often, there are no arguments about this. There's no discussion. There's no parody. Well, you know, if only they don't you dare fill in the blank for me. We have an enemy in our midst, an enemy that we are nurturing and feeding and educating and celebrating with and dining with. But make no mistake, it is an enemy in our midst. Every one of us, flesh and blood beings, were born but Selim Elohim, we were born in his image, which means we have godliness within us. We are part and parcel of God in heaven. And as I read the comments, the comments on social media, and the comments said, where was God? Why didn't God step in? How didn't God protect? And I ask all of us to take a moment. And when we hear the phrase, where was God? Let's take a moment and say to ourselves and to others, where, where were you? There's no parody. There's no likeness. There is no moral equivalency. And if you're struggling with that voca vocabulary, I give you permission. Knock it off. My name is Andrea Sementov, and guess what? I'll see you on the other side.
Okay, we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Again, in all of my passion, um, I don't hear anybody writing in asking for my salmon recipe. Gee, I wonder why. Um, I forgot to do my romper room moment, you know, where I know that people are listening in live. And I absolutely, I know from, I know from the mail I get that people do listen on podcast, but there's like a certain connect, is the word connectiveness, connectivity that I feel when I'm doing this show live and it's just such an honor. So I do want to say good morning, good night to anybody listening in from the States. Fantastic. Um, it's late there, even in California. It's like just after nine, someone I saw called my phone last night at nine o'clock. I was in bed, um, sleeping, you know, quasi Sunambulate state. Okay, Boketover, it's Israel. It is so cold today and so wet. It's like seven degrees, six degrees here. Brazil is with us this morning. Very nice. Um, UK is listening in. South Africa. I wouldn't have it any other way. And again, and with us, always grateful to have Jamaica on the line. Anybody else coming in live? I will line live. Nice, Andrea. How much coffee have we had? Have we had? I'll tell you. Okay. After the horrific, shocking, um, really, what words can we use about the earthquakes in our neighborhood? Not just were complete areas of Turkey and Syria decimated, um, Eretz Israel, we had quite a few tremors, serious tremors up north, and even in Jerusalem and Beit Shemesh, and um, hearing all over a lot. I know that I am very involved in a neighborhood committee now to see what we are doing about reinforcing or replacing the buildings in our area. Very tough stuff, stuff. Another really great thing, just, you know, sometimes I said, if it gets silent on the air, it's not because I'm looking for something to talk about. It's because I'm sitting here just awash in gratitude from the schus, the merit, the honor, the serendipitous events, life events that crashed to allow me to live in Eretz Israel, our flawed country, our tumultuous country, our sometimes angry country, our sometimes primitive country, my country, my Jewish country. And when I was talking about the earthquakes, I just could not get over. I announced last week, I believe, that our IDF, our Israel Defense Forces, sent over a, I don't know how many exactly, but it was a good, hefty crew of military medical um, workers, entire delegation, as part of Israel's Operation Olive Branch. I mean, come on, does it get a little, any clearer than that. And this delegation embarked. We have all the reasons in the world, all the political reasons, all the historical reasons not to go and be helpful. It never crossed anyone's mind, never occurred to anyone that I know that Israel would not send over a fabulous holy team to help in the devastation. What did this delegation do? They they reopened a, an inoperative hospital. I'm not even going to tell you the name of the city. It was way too many M's. And they provided medical care to all of the wounded in the area. You know what they brought on these planes? 
150 Israeli doctors, nurses, surgeons, anesthetists, x-ray technicians. They were floating, they were driving hospital themselves, lab technicians, paramedics, and medical logistics personnel. Last week I told you about someone who actually had the chutzpah, the nerve, the moxie, to sit in my work chair and tell me that Israel was an apartheid country. I wish I could say to you with pride, I kept my cool. But as I said last week, I didn't keep my cool. I lost it. And indeed, I'm certain I lost a customer along the way. But included in that 150 doctors, nurses, surgeons, anesthetists, x-ray technicians, lab technicians, paramedics, medical logistics personnel were plenty of Arabic-speaking Arab Israelis. Okay educated here, working here, arm in arm, elbow to elbow, along with their Jewish co-professionals. So uh, we had representatives from Magen David Adam, that's the um, Israeli, you know, the Star of David, our equivalent of Lo'aleinu, um, the Red Cross, and the health ministry, and lots of organizations. During the seven days, one week in Tel they assisted 470 people, pulled children and adults from the rubble. And in case you're questioning, in case you're curious, yes, indeed, they also provided care to Syrian citizens, our arch enemies documented, who were in Turkey at the time of the earthquake. So another Israel moment. Happy Israel. So proud. And I talk now, once more, jumping in, any Jew who is not living in Israel today, at least put it front and center of your tomorrow plans. Your excuses are getting more and more anemic. And more than anything, we need you. We need your input. We need your brain power. We need your hearts. We need your souls. And we need your humor. All right, hold on. I got to pull the heater a little closer. It is so cold in this studio. Not complaining to management, okay? Don't want to lose the job. The paycheck is so important. Anyway, um, this is very interesting. Let's do a woohoo Israel moment. We're in a woohoo section. Haven't done a lot of those. You know, when you have people, when you're ducking bullets and ducking cars, um, we don't often get to our woohoo moments. Chabad. I lived in Boston for uh, many years. I actually lived in Boston for five years. And my beautiful holy sister still lives in a um, Bel- Bedford, Bedford, Medford, lives in Medford, Massachusetts, not far. Great story out of Boston. Um, Boston Chabad, that's the Lubavitcher arm of um, the Chabad movement, or help me out with that one. Anyway, they made weddings, three couples from the former Soviet Union. Uh, they were married in Russia. These are elderly couples. They came to Israel, many of them. I know that I actually worked for um, the Boston Board of Jewish Education and was a tutor for some of these couples who had been married in the 1970s, but they had come to Boston and they were married, not in Jewish cer- ceremonies. And after some of them, after 50 years of marriage, here's one couple, Elisheva Furman, 
who married her husband Fischl. 50 years ago, they made three weddings, invited the entire community. It was beautiful. It was held at the Shallow House and um, it, it, an organization that Mamish, that deliberately serves the um, Russian Jewish community. And with their children, a generation of Jews that if communism had had its way would have been relegated to the dustbins of human history. But with that spark, what we call a pintle yid, that little, that little spark of light of, that burns inside of every Jewish heart, Chabad was able to reignite it, bring these people to Russia, and after 50 years having new marriages, new wedding, celebrating. And here's a beautiful quote. What my parents have done tonight will be passed on for generations. It's a blessing for our future generations. What a statement. What a statement from a world that was hiding their Judaism, burying their Judaism, and um, was again under a different kind of siege from a different kind of enemy. Okay, in our last few minutes, and I'm really enjoying this woohoo section, quick, very fast, a new medical center is not only in the works, I think they've broken ground on a new medical center north of Jerusalem, which will serve, let me see, in the Shar Binyamin industrial zone near Kohavi Yaakov, beautiful community, community, and it will be there to serve the residents of Beitel, Beit Horon, Givat Harel, Malay Lavana, Kohav Yaakov, of course, Eli Shilo, Talmon, and Hashmonaim, among others. I am telling you, unfortunately, because of a lack of superior medical care in that Zionist, incredible, powerful community, um, not only have people suffered medically, there have been indeed deaths. And here is a wonderful quote, and I'm dare saying it, and again, listen for the operative word that is not popular today, but one of the brain children of this endeavor has said there is a good, precious, Zionist, pioneering population here, and we need to give them medical coverage to keep them safe. They are the pioneers of this generation, and the minimum required is to give them medical coverage for a proper life here. I am not a big, it it's, makes me a little bit nervous with, um, you know, people who are con- collecting, always collecting, collecting for support, collecting monies, collecting, collecting. And I tell you, when they come to your community to connect, collect for this new medical center in the Sharei Binyamin section, I ask you to open your wallets and give because it's a little late. When we come back, we're going to talk about Parsha, great Parsha this week, Parsha Mishpatim, the Parsha of Laws and how it applies to us. See you on the other side.
And we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Just got a real great thumbs up from a listener in South Africa, my good friend Austin. Thank you for the kind words, Austin. Um, we're in it together. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, I haven't given out the email address. So in case you want to yell at me, share things with me, um, ask me for clarifications or links to some of my sources, please. Or indeed my salmon, curried salmon recipe. <laughs> please drop me a note. Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay. So this week's Parsha is called Mishpatim. Mishpatim. It is the it is the portion of laws. And I'm working really hard this week, okay? I, I received a mild but very, really a fabulously piece, a fabulous piece of constructive criticism. And hey, as long as we're learning, as long as the mind is open, and it was, I sometimes get so impassioned and I use so much Hebrew because I, I share this with you. Anybody listening in from Israel, my Israeli friends know, we speak, there's a third language. You can speak Hebrew if you're from an English-speaking co- uh, country. You could try to speak Hebrew. You can maintain speaking English. But after 27 years here, or in some cases, seven months, we speak a language called Hebrish. Okay? It's half Hebrew, half English. And what's so funny is everybody understands it. Uh, the, the sentences are broken up. And um, so I sometimes use Hebrish on this show. Is it similar to Esperanto? And um, I've been told that I have to translate some of the words. We have so many holy people living in, anxious to learn and grow together, shoulder to shoulder. And again, I'm not teaching. We're learning together. So I'm going to use a lot of English today. I am, I am, I am. Okay, so there is um, there is an understanding, a very clear Torah um, mitzvah that says, distance yourself from a false word. And in my studies this week, preparing for this week's Parsha portion of study, I came across, I think it was on an Or Sameach site, the Yeshiva Or Sameach. Anyway, and somebody has written about former President um, Ronald Reagan, and he used to he used to always say when he was Let's just say that whenever the truthfulness of a statement that he was saying was was challenged, he would just say very calmly, I misspoke. And he had managed to finesse what was to some a bold-faced lie into just an innocent slip of the tongue. I misspoke. Imagine if we could just say whatever we wanted and then when caught, we would just say, oh, I misspoke. The Torah is uncompromising in its ban on lying. And yet there's even nuance in that. I know that on this show we've spoken about so many people think that when um, God went to Avraham, when God said to Abraham, uh, you're going to be a father. And he said, Abraham in shock. I mean, he was aware of his age. He said, um, did you did you tell Sarah? I told. Did you tell Sarah? And I'm taking this. You know, it's all. He said. You know, and God said. Well, yeah, I told Sarah. And so, what did Sarah say? And 
God says to Abraham, she said she's too old. But in essence, that's not really what Sarah said. Sarah said, she really said, what with that old guy, that old man? <laughs> My husband's too old. And here, what God didn't misunderstand. God didn't mishear. And reporting it back to Avraham, he did not misspeak. He took Avraham's dignity into consideration. He took Avraham's self-worth, his ego as a human being. And he said, Sarah said she's too old. So here we know that while lying is never the preferred choice, in order not to tear down one of God's holy creatures, even God will bend. So there are circumcisions where this prohibition, as I just pointed out, can be in conflict. The brother of the Vilna Gaon, okay, Rabbi Zalmele, he was with another rabbi and he went to visit a friend of Rabbi Zalmele. And um, remember, this is the brother of the Vilna Gaon. It's even our generation, not so far back. And they found the friend seated at his meal. So what does the friend do, a religious man? He springs to his feet and he begs them to join him. Rabbi Zalmele knew that this man was extremely poor and the meal that he was eating was inadequate, even for one person, let alone three. Rabbi Zalmele excused himself from joining him and he protested and he said the doctor had prohibited him from eating the kind of food that he was eating. After the two men left, the other rabbi turns to Rabbi Zalmele and he said, is it true that you're sick? Are you unwell? And Rabbi Zalmele replied, no. So the other man said to him, you, you who are so careful not to let a false word escape your lips. How can you of all people tell a direct lie? What was Rabbi Zalmele's reply? The Rambam, Maimonides, was a doctor. He writes that it is prohibited to share the food of someone who does not have enough for himself. This week's Torah reading deals with pettiness. Indeed, the pettiness of human life. Isn't that nuts? Rabbi Wine points out that last week's portion dealt with principles and value systems of holiness as represented by the Ten Commandments. It's a little bit of a letdown. Someone popped the air out of this balloon to have to speak about oxes that gore. I think the word is oxen gores people and fighting and slaving and damaging one another when we were apparently we were just elevated to the foot of Har Sinai being a kingdom of priests a holy nation Jewish children children who are in the Torah religious system begin learning they begin learning Mishnah and Talmud they begin learning these extremely uninspiring 
uh, minutiae of torts and damages, the ones that are discussed in this week's Torah reading. In effect, the law book portion, the law section, it starts now showing us people at their worst behavior and in their weakest moments. Between you, me, and the lamppost, wouldn't it be more inspiring if the Torah just kept dealing with the um, with with the fun stuff, or at least kind of dress this section up, a little more inspiration, a little more spirituality. And yet we're aware that the most studied volumes of the Talmud, the real meat and potatoes, sorry, vegans, are those sections that deal with many of the laws presented in this week's Torah reading. The rabbis, in fact, they advise us to study the laws of torts and of human failures, those that translate negative actions and behavior in order to what? To sharpen our brains, to make us wiser. I interject in my notes and say again and again, to not understand a mitzvah, to not understand a Torah concept, does not mean that we exempt ourselves or is somehow exempt. I'm not smart enough for it, or it's not sexy enough. I really don't go for it. It doesn't work out in my life. It merely means we have more work to do. Most of the study effort concerns itself with how to deal with the damage and hurt that has already been done to one another and to find the moral strength necessary to stop damaging events from reoccurring. The Torah is not a fantasy book. It's not a historical novel, despite what Hollywood tells us doesn't get realer than the Torah. It doesn't gloss over situations. And you know what? It's not overly flattering in how it deals with the main characters that appear in the narrative. The perfect Torah speaks to a very imperfect world. The Torah doesn't allow us to have illusions about how people will behave when money, emotions, ambition, negligence and spite are present in society and lives of others. Rabbi Wine brings down that slavery, anybody here, we hear the word slavery, we immediately get a stick up our back. We know it's wrong. It's, maybe it's the greatest wrong, but it has been a fact of life in human history up until and including our time. Slavery breeds inequity. And as we have witnessed time and time again, ending slavery does not end bigotry. The Torah addresses it. You name your topic, it's addressed. It addresses how and why overcoming these iniquities and making slavery subject to such rigorous legal restraints as to prompt the Torah to say that he who acquires a slave for himself in reality is acquiring a master for himself. People will be people. Damages and hurts, they occur. The temptation, the smell, the stink of money, 
will never disappear from our universe. This is why we have to have a set of rules and an ability to deal with these problems so that they don't completely consume us. You know, I, in my life, and I, I, I can only speak for myself, I know that when I'm feeling that, that little disjointed, that little disconnect, something's wrong. The air doesn't feel smooth. My familiar relationships feel a little discordant. I know that I don't have to always sit and wait for it to pass. The book, the guide, the blueprint. What does God say? We have it at hand, and yet we're running to all sources of comfort, whether they be chemical, spiritual, but most of us have it on the shelf. The Torah must propose a program of compensation to help all of us. The Torah makes no assumptions. It's the book of reality, and it's the most holy of all works, and what's most incredible, it's available, it's accessible to every one of us. You know, in speaking about the Torah laws having to do with money, sorry, I have a little eye scratch here. Um, I often wonder, and I know that anybody listening in, we always wonder, or we sometimes wonder, why does somebody have more than me? Why does someone have more than his neighbor? Why does someone who seems unworthy have it all? Why are some blessed and others struggle, struggle, and despite every effort, they remain impoverished? Some people do not merit to receive their livelihood straight from heaven. For these, God gathers together so much wealth into one person's hand so that all those in needs can be supported by him. Now understand, this section that I'm discussing now is an ideal in an ideal world. But what else is the Torah for except to paint a picture of just how ideal it can be and what it was designed? The Torah teaches us a rich man must support the poor, not out of mercy, but by Torah law. If a poor man's money is in your pocket, you're only lending him what is his own. If we're lending him what is rightfully his, we have no right to act as though we are better than he is because we are being supported by his wealth. Take a minute with that. In the 1600s, Rabbi Shabbatai Kohen held that it would have been better if there were no money in the world. Nevertheless, if there is money, it must be used for the sake of heaven by helping people, especially with free loans. Now, I don't, I, I don't really, forgive me my ignorance, I'm not certain about how other societies work, but I grew up knowing that there were Jewish and Hebrew free loan societies. They were just always there. So Rabbi Kohen points out that Hashem could surely provide the poor with all they need without relying on people to provide tzedakah or um, free loans. However, what do we learn from the beginning of today's 
today's talk. God made us his emissaries to bring us merit. As we learn in Avot, the writings of our fathers, at the time of one, this quote, at the time of one's death, he is accompanied not by his gold or silver, but by Torah and good deeds. Rabbi Yonatan Ebschitz notes that the word talva can mean to lend as well as to accompany or to escort. Imagine, to lend or to accompany. Which money will accompany you when you leave this world? I'll tell you which money. Only the tzedakah and the interest-free loans provided by you to the poor, along with the good deeds that you did in your lifetime. That's, this is what will accompany us in the world to come. It's a Shabbos thought that I'll be talking about in my own home. Rabbi Eliyahu Kitov, in his Sefer HaToda'ah, the Book of Gratitude, asks, why only half a shekel was brought by each Jew as an offering to the building of the tabernacle? So one answer is that it serves as a reminder that for all of our efforts in the service of God, we're only reaching half of our capacity. Let none of us be arrogant in our hearts and say, I have served God with all of my strength. And one more reason. We bring a half a shekel. Well, it's not one more reason. One of many other reasons is we bring a half a shekel not to think I'm the full deal. I'm the real deal. If we're only half, we're missing another half. Our other halves are all around us. We are nothing except for the grace of one another. My name is Andrea Simintov, and I wish you Shabbat Shalom umivorach from Jerusalem. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. 
If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.